once a year, and I'm involved particularly with the prisons. And uh, this time we were going out, there was a team of four of us going out, and we were going to do some training with prison officers around the healthcare, looking after the health of their prisoners. Initially, the, the two of the team were going to then come home, and Carol and I would stay on, and we would carry on doing some bits and pieces that we normally do there. So that's the kind of background to it. So this time it was a bit of an eventful trip, I have to say, I and mean, things didn't go according to plan, but God was just woven all the way through in an incredible way. So um, we all got there on time. We all took different flights, and we all arrived on time, unbelievably, in the middle of the night in Entebbe Airport in Uganda. And um, we all met up and were able to go to the guest house together to get some sleep. So that was like one of the first major miracles, because it's, uh, I think, Michael's flight was a good 12, 13 hours, I think, and ours was kind of 10 or 11. Um, and then we had Eva coming from Sweden as well, so, um, you know, to all meet up on time was pretty remarkable. Um, the, yep, so we spent a day in Entebbe just getting to know each other because some people hadn't met before. And then um, the following day, we then had a seven hour road journey across to Kasisi, which is where it's near the Congo border in Uganda. Um, so we, we then spent the whole day traveling across there, which is pretty grueling, um, but that was fine. We got there and we spent the next day setting up and having some photographs taken. This is one of the photos. Fortunately, it's a bit blurred. <laughs> You're expected to dress a certain way out there. So that's me on the far right. Next to me is a lady called Rita, who's a nurse in Kagando, in the area, in one of the hospitals, small hospitals in the area, and she um, lives out there for virtually half the year. She's an English nurse, and she's just such a key person, so much experience, so having her with us was brilliant. Um, next to her is Michael, and then we've got the officer in charge in the middle, who is the guy who is in charge of all the prisons, five little prisons in the area, well, one big one and four small ones in the area. And he's very, very um, uh, pro what we were doing, very positive, very encouraging, really wanted us to do some of the, the training. And then next to him is Eva, and then next to her is Godfrey, who is my contact out there, who's the guy who does loads of excellent work that I'll tell you about in a little while. And then on the end is Carol, my friend. So the next one. So the training kind of started a little bit Oh, okay, this is all the way to, um, to this. That's a pig on the back of the bike. Oh, can we slow down? That's a view, yeah. If you look back. They, they carry anything on the back of motorbikes. They're called bodder bodders. And uh, that's really, that was a pig, a uh, live pig. And they have like a board that they put them on and they strap them down and then once they get to their destination, they let them off and the pig just kind of runs about. You see chickens on there, goats, all sorts. You get... Yeah, I, the most I've seen on the back of a motorbike is five people. Women sit side saddle because you're not allowed to show your knees out there, so they sit side saddle. More often than not, they've got a baby on their lap as well. Um, so that was, that's just kind of one of the most interesting photographs from the trip there. This is a view of the mountains in the area. This is a view actually from the prison. They grow cash crops. The prisoners have to grow cash crops, but that's cotton. Um, and they get, yeah, they get a lot of injuries from, from the farming. It's very hard work. They have to work really hard for prisoners in order to um, produce the crops that they, you know, that they are expected to, to make. So, um, but yeah, the view is absolutely stunning. 
So we started the training. The next day, well, the car didn't turn up to take us to the prison. The trainer was going to be in one of the big in the big prison in the area, in one of the rooms there. Um, but the car to take us there didn't arrive for an hour because it was the cabinet washed. So that was kind of where are you? Where are you? Very British. We're not on time, and all of this. Um, we got there, and there was um, no power socket. There was just wires sticking out the wall. So about 20 minutes later, a couple of guys came in with their hard hats on electric things, and we could use the projector. <laughs> and the call started. And the guys here in yellow are inmates. We were really blessed to have inmates with us. There were four inmates from the prison who were allowed to join the course with us. And the other three there are prison officers. And just to see them working together in a group, discussing things, getting together and talking about, about um, you know, things that we were teaching them was brilliant to see. Um, the compassion from the prison officers towards the prisoners was just wonderful. We, we were really surprised at how much compassion they had for their, their prisoners. Um, having said that, they will shoot them if they try and run away. So, you know, it, it goes, there's a certain point that it does go to. So I started off doing uh, what makes a healthy body, and I did a presentation on germs, which terrified them. And then Carol, my friend here, is a social worker, and she did what makes a healthy family and a healthy community. Um, and this is her showing them that the person standing on the chair is the center of their little world, but outside them you have your family, and then outside them you have your village, and then outside them you have your country, and all the cultural things that are involved with all of that. And all of this actually affects you as a person as well. And they really, they really, they really got that. And she also did a really good session on um, domestic violence as well, because that's a very common problem out there too. Um, so yeah, they really engaged with us. We were thrilled that it was, you know, it worked, went really well. The training went well. Michael did a bit on uh, what makes a healthy mind, because he's a mental health nurse. We did what makes the healthy spirit as well. We had a talk from one of the people, one of the chaplains there. As part of what makes a healthy body, we did hand washing, which was a bit of a revelation for us because they had no idea. They thought it was hilarious when we told them, you know, how you wash your hands properly. They thought it was really funny, and they showed us how they did it, which is basically just walking past and dipping your hands in, in a bit of water and shaking it off. And so our little talk on germs did scare them. So before lunch, we stood over them and we said, right, you're going to be washing your hands properly this time. You've really got to find out how to do it. Because it's key to preventing infection. It's key to preventing diseases from spreading, especially in a prison environment where everybody's so closely bound together, living in such close environments. So um, they thought it was really funny anyway. So there's a prisoner washing his hands and uh, doing the prison officers behind. That's the all everyone at the end, having had received their certificates. That's the group. So we didn't have a huge amount because it was a busy time of year, so a lot of the prison officers couldn't come. Uh, but we did have representation from all but one of the prisons, which is good. And we gave them lots of handouts to take to their um, colleagues so that they can then go start spreading the education. The feedback we got was really good. They want us definitely to go back next year and do some more and in, um, do extra on mental health training particularly. And at the end of this section on spiritual health, there was an altar call and one person put in their feedback chart, it was brilliant, I got saved. And I mean, there's no name on it, so I don't know whether it was a prisoner or, a, or an officer.
there, but we're just like, brilliant, it's just so good, it's very exciting. So yeah, the whole training, thank you so much for your prayers, the training did go well. Lots of hiccups, lots of delays, we had to miss bits out, there was all sorts of things going on, going wrong, but um, it didn't really matter, because we got the gist of it through, and it was, it was brilliant, so thank you so much for your prayers. We then went on, I don't know if you read the bit that I wrote before I went, um, this is the pig project, so we then went on to visit some of the people benefiting from the pigs, um, there's been quite a few donations have gone into this particular um, project where a piglet is bought for, particularly for vulnerable families, so they've chosen children particularly who've either got a parent in prison or who is an orphan. And the piglet has been given to the child um, to look after, to care with education and everything. And um, in time, the piglet will produce, will grow, produce more pigs. One of those pigs will then go to the organization that has funded it. And another pig will then go to another vulnerable family in the area. And they will then be able to keep the rest of the piglets from then on for however long. So in time, there will be more and more pigs. Pigs eat anything. There's tons of scrub and bush and bananas and leaves and rubbish and all sorts of stuff that the pigs can eat so it should flourish it should be a really good project it does work well up in the mountains already so but they haven't done it in this particular area so lots of people that you know did actually buy a pig so thank you to those who did this is one little girl whose um, father was in the game park because there's a safari park nearby unfortunately he was poaching in the park and he was shot by the game warders who um, and killed so she was left an orphan um, so she benefited from a pig because she was living with her grandparents with like about six other siblings I think so it's just impossible for them to feed everybody so uh, yeah so she was one of the beneficiaries of the pigs so that's the next one I think oh there's a piggy eating its food it was quite sweet actually can we play this? Is there sound? Sorry. This is the children at the school just saying thank you and singing thanks for having... Bucket to pee in, uh, which gets mucked out kind of 
however often. Apparently there can be up to 50 people in one of these rooms for a couple of days sometimes until they go to court. And once they've gone to court, they will then either be released or they will be sent on to the main prisons. Um, this room, it was just horrendous, just couldn't believe it, painted black. And um, Godfrey did have a great idea of painting them, making it look a little bit better, cleaning it up. So that's what we did. So we bought some paint, which we took on the back of the motorbike, because everything goes on the back of the motorbike, up to the prison. I got off at one point, because the bridge we were going over was just, <laughs> I didn't trust it. So I got off, walked across the bridge, and uh, got back on again once we got to the other side. This is the room afterwards, after we painted it. So, and then the next one. We did this at two police stations. This is the window, again, beforehand. So they were just all, all the prisoners were in there just hanging out of the window. And that's afterwards. So you can see it's made a huge difference to the, what, what it was like. We got rid of the cobwebs and all the stuff up in the roof, um, washed the floor, got rid of all the um, stuff, nasty stuff that was on the floor. We bought some, a bowl and some soap so the prisoners can wash their hands and we bought some disinfectants so they can wash the floor regularly um, and just try and keep it a bit, more, a bit more of a healthy environment. I mean, mentally, mentally, your health in that black room just wouldn't be good. Physically, it's not good. In no way is it good for anybody. So we were really be pleased to be able to do that. That's me doing a little bit of painting. I didn't do much because I wasn't very good at it. Um, And that was the outside before, and that was the outside afterwards. So made a huge difference psychologically to the prison officers. The um, police putting people into the cells was just, you know, they were so pleased that we'd been able to make their offices this, you know, look so much better as well. This is the ladies, the women's cell. That was it, taken from the door. It's covered about that wide, about that long. That was it with some shelves at the back, probably to put your baby on. So that's before, and the little tiny window up the top there. That's before, and um, we couldn't do much to it, but I mean, it did look a little bit better afterwards. So um, they were just enormously grateful. So that was great. And next one, we, oh yes, yes, right. The next thing that happened is that we went up to see a friend up in the mountains. Um, he's a pastor up there and a nurse as well. And while we were there, my friend, There was nothing for her at all, nothing available, just no oxygen, nothing, couldn't do anything for her. Eventually we laid her down, we got the car and laid her in the front seat, put her feet upon the dashboard and the pain but they had no medication, zero, absolutely nothing. So all we could do was pray for her and thank God the pain eased off and she, her colour came back, she stopped sweating, everything eased off. And we're like, oh my goodness, what do we do now? So we got her back down to where we were staying, which is a little hospital, Kagando Hospital. All they could do was an ECG, uh, which showed that she might have had a possible heart attack. So the next, that night, instead of being in CCU, having angiograms and all sorts of stuff, you know the story, there was me with my, getting out of my mosquito net with my torch, trotting across the room, looking at her, saying, all right, Carol, good. Yes, I'm fine. following day, because we fortunately, well, she sensibly had insurance, um, rather than 
stay where we were because it wasn't safe. They wanted the insurance company wanted us to go to Kampala, back to Kampala, to um, have some more tests so she could have some more tests. I wasn't going to let her go on her own, so we they flew us across with MAF Mission Aviation Fellowship. Anyone heard of them? Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They were so good. So they flew us back in a little eight-seater plane. So it only took one hour instead of seven hours to get across. So let's do the next one. That's the view of the uh, the Rift Valley. That's the little plane that we went in. Um, this is Cardiac Care Unit and Kampala Heart Institute, um, complete with cockroaches and a cat that kept wandering in every now and then. Mm, no food. They don't give you food there. So um, yeah. She had, again, more prayers. We had so many people praying for her. Um, they did t lots of tests, too many tests, because they knew it was insurance. Um, I had to go down in the middle of the night to the town center, because it was a Sunday night. The uh, laboratory was shut, so I had to take her blood sample down into um, Kampala Town Center to a laboratory down there and hand that one in. Unfortunately, I met, oh, another, another miracle, we met a friend, I met a friend on the way out who was just coming in and she said, I'll come with you, and then she took us and we got some food, so I was able to get some food back to, for me and Carol, because by this time it was about eight, nine o'clock at night, so again, just meeting a friendly face when you're in the middle of nowhere, you're really frightened and you don't know what's going on, it was just an absolute blessing, God was so good to us. Um, unfortunately, because we were in Kampala, we missed this little bit, which is what Godfrey did once we were um, in the hospital. Uh, this is another police station. This is, again, is a before picture. On the front there, I think it says police charge office on that little white label that you can see there. So this is the police station. The cells are just around the right. That was a before picture. And this is the after picture, after the painting. There's not too many of these. This is a cell before. Sorry, it's very blurred. I didn't take that one. And after, and we got solar panels as well. A solar panel for these guys because there's no light in there at all. So in the dark, when you're shut in that room, oh, can we get that one? Is that all right? Is there a solar panel? Yeah, there we go. There's a solar panel. So they put um, solar panels up so that, that at least they have some light at night. Um, and we, they, we get, we've got another one to go onto the police station that we did last, as well, the, the first, very first one that I showed you the photos of. So, so the money went towards solar panels, paint, just improving the, the police stations, really. It was, made such a big difference. So that was that, really. And then we came, that was kind of the end of our trip over there. So um, Carol and I stayed in Kampala, fortunately, because all of her tests were negative. Uh, completely negative. We um, were able to come back as planned last Saturday, so uh, again, I was a bit worried about her on the flight, but again, she was absolutely fine. She's now being referred to cardiology as an urgent referral, um, and we're just waiting to see what the results of the t these tests are going to show, because it could be quite interesting. Now, these pictures were sent to me yesterday by Godfrey. Um, it's the rainy season over there at the moment. And um, the rains have been really heavy, hard, lots of wind, lots of hail. Um, because we had to leave the area early, I couldn't spend all the money that you guys gave me. So um, I was still in our bank account, and I was like, well, I'm not quite sure what to do, but you know, when something comes up, I'll be able to send in some, I know that. 
So he sent me these photos. I had a terrible hailstorm night before last. Um, I think he said 170 families have lost their homes, they've lost their livestock, they've lost everything, absolutely everything. He said they're starving, there's no food, everything's gone in this storm. This is one of the houses, this is the selection of the photos that he sent me. Um, so that's one. The house is just destroyed. And this is the area where the children were singing. That's up in the mountains in that area. None of the pigs were killed, fortunately. The house completely lost its roof. Bananas plantation has just gone. The metoki, all the all the food was just destroyed and gone. Um, so what I was able to do yesterday is send the extra bit of money that was left behind that you gave me. I sent it to him. They're going to buy food. They're going to buy some more building supplies. They're going to just people are being put up in schools and in churches at the moment because they've got nowhere to live. Um, and the they're, the organisation there are going to just be supplying them with food and just looking after them, giving them water, sorting out building supplies. So, so that's it. Sorry, I probably did go on a, on a bit too long. Um, if you want to know more, I've written a little thing here, so I'll stick it on the back. There's two sheets, so take two sheets. But uh, that's like a little idea of our trip. So much more happened. So much more. But, uh, you know, if you want to talk to me afterwards, that would be fun. So, thank you. Um, it's always a, a privilege to come and share with you. And uh, it's interesting to see the pictures of Uganda, having been there myself quite a few times. And uh, it is indeed a very interesting country. And um, I think whenever you go to Uganda, you've got lots of stories to tell <laughs> because the culture is so completely, totally and absolutely different. But um, it's where God sends us and we can be really used there in a special way. So it's a great adventure with God. I think life's an adventure with God, isn't it, really? Everything we do, things that happen in our lives, it's a, it's a real adventure. This morning, I, I've been um, reading through the book of Romans and, and uh, I wanted particularly to, I picked up a verse in Romans chapter 5 um, and it's verse 17 of Romans 5 but I'll read through Romans 5 or part of it anyhow and um, we can see where we're going after that but there's, there are two aspects um, of Romans 5.17 um, which really struck me and I felt wow, this is it's a wonderful statement and it talks about the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness and I thought well they are two wonderful statements and um, let's try and get them in context so I'll read Romans 5 uh, to you and uh, then we can concentrate a little bit on that verse and, and get what we can from it let the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts and lives from that verse. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we've obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint 
because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law, a sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even even over those who did not sin, who had not sinned in the likeness of the offence of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation, but on the other hand the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. I'll finish off the chapter. It's a, it's a lovely chapter. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through the one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Long passage of scripture, extremely wonderful and so valuable. And those, uh, at seven, at 17th verse, really um, struck me as so, um, so precious. And it talks about the, uh, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And through those things, we will reign through life, through the one Jesus Christ, living in him and dwelling in him. So, I think the purpose really of the message, which I feel that God wants to bring to us, is for us to 
to, to be aware of the freedom and the liberty that God has brought us, in, brought us into. And it's great that we've been able to share uh, in communion this morning because that, that again is evidence of the wonderful love and grace of, of the Lord in our lives, what God has done for us, each and every one of us. And uh, we, ha we often have to ask the question, well, why did the Lord choose me? And I often ask that question, why did the Lord choose me? And we could well answer, well, the Lord chose us because he loved us. He has a love for us. But there's a, there's a wonderful um, scripture in Ephesians where, where it talks about how that God chose us at the very beginning. And um, it's in Ephesians 1 and verses 3 to, to 8. And, and it's, a, it's a lovely little portion of scripture because it's, um, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, by the kind intention of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us with all wisdom and insight. It's a lovely description. And if ever you want to know how your salvation came about, you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. You are extremely important to God. God chose you before the foundation of the world. I, I love that. That's, to me, it's wonderful, a wonderful illustration of how important we are to God. It says, <coughs> and, and by choosing us, he also predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son. That's our, that is our destiny. And whether we, um, it's almost as if we have no option in it. Once we're chosen, we're predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. He's brought us to this place and he, he's working in each of our lives and transforming us, each and every one of us. But having been predestined, it's a bit like being pre-programmed to be conformed to the image of the son of God. And we, we find that in, in Romans 8 and verse, where verse 29. Who, he whom he chose he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. So he's the firstborn and we, we reflect the glory of who he is through our lives. We're predestined to be conformed. And it says by the kind intention of his will. Uh, that's, the, that's the reason he chose you, by the kind intention of his will. It wasn't because we'd done anything right or anything wrong. It was purely because by the kind intention of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. God has poured out his grace on each and every one of us, unmerited favour. He gives us what we don't deserve. We live in what we don't deserve every day of our lives uh, because he wants to bless us. That's the heart of God. He longs to bless us. It's this abundance of grace which is so important to us. And 
he brings us into, into a wonderful freedom because we, we find ourselves hidden in Christ. And there are no conditions, no laws, no expectations. Just simply that we are what God has chosen us to be. He's chosen us to be his children and he is transforming us into, into the image of his son so that we may reflect his glory. Tells us that uh, uh, in the previous chapter, before, before Romans 5, it tells us how that Abraham believed God and was counted as righteousness. Uh, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So all Abraham ever did was just to believe God. Simple. You know, the, the gospel message is so very simple. It's a simple message. So no matter where we are in the world, people can believe, can believe the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel. I think one of the, one, one of the, the most wonderful stories to me in the Bible is about the thief on the cross. I just love that story because the thief had spent his whole life doing things that were wrong and he knew that he had done things that were wrong. He even said that he deserved to be there on the cross whereas Christ didn't. But he prayed a prayer, a nine word prayer, which was Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lovely, lovely little prayer, probably the first prayer he'd ever prayed. But wasn't theologically sound on, on our basis. He didn't seem to come to any repentance. He just said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. That's the simplicity of the gospel. I, I find that's the nub of the gospel. You're just believing, just trusting him. Often we put our, ourselves under great expectations of what God is expecting us to do. We can come in a huge bondage for that. And, but God is not asking us to do. He's asking us to be worshippers, to love him, to offer up praise to him, to give thanks to him. It's also a little bit like the, um, the Philippian jailer because he, um, when, he, uh, when he thought that all the prisoners were gone, he decided, I'm going to take my life. And Paul says, no, don't do that, please. Uh, uh, and, and so the Philippian jailer then begins to open up and Paul gives him the gospel and he says he says to Paul what must I do to be saved he doesn't give a seven point uh, pointer to how to get saved he just says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved you and your whole household and again it's this generosity this this extravagance of the kindness and the mercy of God which is so overwhelming it's the abundance of grace being demonstrated the abundance of grace never forget that it, it's like as if we're under a waterfall of the grace of God the grace of God is forever pouring out pouring out over us washing over us all the time because God loves us he loves us with such with an everlasting love he cares for us and so we find these wonderful uh, illustrations of, of the goodness and the and the grace and the love of God. And in Galatians uh, uh, 3.29 it says, if we belong to Christ, then we're Abraham's descendants, heir, heirs according to the promise. So all that was ever promised to Abraham is promised to us. All the blessings that were given to Abraham are passed on to us. They become part of the new covenant. And uh, because 
Abraham's covenant was a covenant of grace. It was a covenant of grace. Um, there were no conditions. In other words, God was saying to him, he said, um, I want you to leave your country and go to a country that I will show you. That's all he said to him. Uh, he didn't make any conditions at all. When he then begins to give the, um, the covenant to him, it's all that God's going to do. He's not asking Abraham to do anything. Just, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do, Abraham. I'm going to make a great nation of you. I'm going to bless you. Everything you do, you will multiply. I will really bless you. And later on, many years after the covenant had been in, in operation, more people were coming to join the covenant, then he brings circumcision in as a condition of the covenant. But that was the only, that was the only uh, condition of the covenant. And of course, in our situation, we have baptism as, as a seal of our salvation, but it's not water baptism we're talking about. We're talking about being baptised into Christ. It's Romans 6, when he's talking about baptism, he's talking about being baptised into Christ. Um, because when we give our lives to him, we, we become part and one with him. Water baptism is something which is an outward demonstration of an inner experience. But baptism is, is our salvation. We come into Christ. We're baptised into him. We're immersed into who he is. We, we begin to be fitted into him completely, totally. It's a wonderful thing. And we find that in the new covenant, we find that Jesus is the mediator of that new covenant. You know, the new covenant was made between the Father and the Son. It wasn't made between God and man, like the old covenant, which was the covenant of law, that was made between God and man. And so when man broke that covenant, then he was answerable to God. And so that was the whole concept of the law. And when God offered man that option, he said, he said to man, can you follow these regulations, which were the Ten Commandments, and then there were other commandments as well. Man said in, in, in Exodus 19 and also in Exodus 24, he says, yes, we can follow them. Man says, yes, we will follow these commandments. But of course they couldn't, nor could we. They weren't given, God intended the Ten Commandments to be a guideline to something, to highlight sin, to make us recognise we can't do without a saviour. We need a saviour. There's no hope without a saviour. So Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And uh, it's that covenant between the Father and the Son. And all we do is to just, be just believe and trust in him and do what he is asking us to. Um, I'll read a little bit of the um, that New Covenant. The New Covenant really, well, the, the, really the nub of the New Covenant is this. It's all the I wills. God keeps saying to in the New Covenant, he keeps saying, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. But one of the key verses of the, of the New Covenant is, is found in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 8. He says, for I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God never, ever counts our sins against us, ever. We are living in perpetual forgiveness. We live in the forgiveness of God. I will remember their sins no more. When people say, well, I keep a short account with God, well, God doesn't keep an account. 
So you can't really keep a short account with God because God's not counting. You're forgiven. You're living in total, perpetual forgiveness all the time. There's never a moment in your life when you're not forgiven. He loves you with an everlasting love. You live in his forgiveness. This is the whole purpose of the new covenant, is that we live in that wonderful grace that God gives to us. And so it's that abundance of grace which we found in, in, in Romans 5, 17. The abundance of grace. It's a wonderful, a wonderful thing that God has given to us. And Christ forever is, is forever living to make intercession for us. And of course, the Holy Spirit is also interceding for us perpetually. Because it says in, in Romans 8, he says, for the Spirit himself understands our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to his purposes. And that's where he goes on to say after that, for whom he foreknew he predestined, to become conformed to the image of the Son of God. So we have the Holy Spirit perpetually and constantly interceding for us all the time. We have Jesus, who ever liveth, to make intercession for us. It sounds to me we're on very sound ground. The Spirit is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for us. We're predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. We're in a secure position with him. That's the abundance of grace. Grace comes with all its extravagance. And in many ways, it's a wild, the wild extravagance of God is his grace. The wild extravagance of God. He's extravagant with his grace. He never holds it back. It's always pouring forth from him, all the time. And I think it's very, very wonderful how that this wonderful love that he pours out, this grace that he constantly pours out into our hearts. And in, in the way that he blesses us in so many ways. And there's a scripture in, 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 in John which, uh, which talks very much about um, how the grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And, and it's grace came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. And it, it also tells us that, um, that, that we are partakers of who Christ is. We're partakers of the essence of who he is. And that again is a, is a beautiful thing. It says, um, it says in, in um, Colossians, uh, Colossians 3, it says that um, Christ is the mediator of our life. In him we live. Uh, he, he's the mediator of our lives. It says that um, in, in, in um, Colossians chapter 3, it talks about how that our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And then it says, and when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, we also shall be revealed with him in glory. We're hidden in the essence of who God is. And when Paul speaks to the church at Corinth, in Athens, he says, in him, as in Christ, we live and move and have our being. We're, we've entered into, we're, we've become one with 
we're intricately interwoven into deity. And John says, in, in 1 John 4, he says, uh, as he is, so are we in this world. He's made us in the likeness of God, predestined to be conformed to his image. I just want to encourage you on these thoughts because they're, to me, they're liberating and it makes, helps me to understand that I live always with the blessing of God upon my life. Every one of you, exactly the same. You're always living in the blessing of God. God always wants to bless you. He never wants, he's never angry with you. He's never perturbed with you. He knows you. He loves you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. And he chose you with complete foreknowledge of how your life would run. And he still chose us. That's, that very often ama amazes me. He still chose us, even though he knew what we'd be like. And even when we mess up to the worst, his love never changes. Always the same. Always consistent. Always the same. Keeps on loving us all the same. Very, very beautiful. And yes, we're hidden in his holiness, hidden in his righteousness, hidden in everything that he is. So we have the abundance of grace and the, and the gift of righteousness. As beneficiaries of the new covenant through the blood of Jesus, we are holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Beautiful, isn't it? You need to say that to yourself several times a day. I'm holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Just when you've messed up really badly, it's a good time to say, I'm holy. Because nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. There won't be a second Calvary. Nothing's changed. You're forgiven. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. You live in the richness of his forgiveness. So we have the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You don't have to strive to be righteous. You don't have to strive to be holy. There have been many movements in the church of Jesus Christ, holiness movements, to bring people into a place of holiness. I've got good news for you this morning. There's never a more holy people than you are. There's never a more holy people than you are. And when Jesus, when Paul writes of the, the, all of his letters to the churches, he always says, to the saints who are at Ephesus, to the saints who are at Colossae, to the saints who are at Galatia, always to the saints who are... That word saint, if you take it in the Greek, it's exactly the same word as holy. So he's, he says, to the holy ones who are at Ephesus, to the holy ones who are at Galatia, to the holy ones who are at Hurstman Zoo. All the, the holy ones, that's who we are. We're the holy ones of God. Because we can say with the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the liberty, that's the freedom, that's the wonder that, that we have. We have the gift of righteousness. You don't have to strive to be righteous. He, he has given you his righteousness. I think it's in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 where he says, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
And that's what you are. Because Christ died 2,000 years ago. And he carried and he took all your sin, every sin that you would ever commit, from the, from right from the beginning, right to the very end, every sin is completely taken and covered in your life, everyone. Even the ones that you will commit futuristically. If you think about it, when he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, he knew exactly what was going to happen in your life, but he still chose you, and he still elected that he would give you his righteousness. You are his righteousness. You, in, in many ways, we can, we can say, we are as righteous as the Lord is. And in Jeremiah 23 and verse 6, it, it gives Jehovah a, a name, which we probably, it's a Hebrew name, which is Jehovah Sidkenu, which is the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. And even this, this was a prophetic word that Jeremiah was speaking out, realizing and recognizing that, that there would a, a saviour would come, a redeemer would come, and he would make us to be as righteous as the Lord. We would be like him. We would be a reflection of who he was. So it's don't strive for righteousness because you've already got it. And you won't get any more righteousness because it's been given to you as a gift. It's a gift from God. And that righteousness allows you a fellowship and a relationship with God which is sweet and beautiful. So may the Lord really help us in these areas to recognise that there's, no, there's nothing more to be done. It's Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The work of salvation is completely finished. I've got no more to do. The whole thing is finished. It's all over with now. All you've got to do is enter into my rest. Enter into who I am, so that where I am, there you may be also. Come and join me. It, because it says in the Word, he has raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. So he's chosen us, he's seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show forth the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us. So you've been raised up, seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's another lovely verse which I'll, which I'll share with you. Um, I don't want to bombard you with too much scripture with it. The word is so beautiful, and the word is so liberating. And it's, it tells us in, in um, Hebrews 12, and starting at verse 21, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels, and to the, and to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a better covenant, or the new covenant, and to the blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. That's a wonderful scripture. But it says, but you have come. It's somewhere where you've come to, because you're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's, that's where you are. We're here in this room in the natural but in the spiritual we're in that we're in that spirit realm with him ruling and reigning with him and it does say in that scripture which we read from um, Romans 5 verse 17 
says that because of the abundance of life and the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life. We will reign in life. And we're here to rule and to reign with him because he's blessed us, because he loves us with an everlasting love. He cares for us. You have come to Mount Zion. We need to perhaps learn, like Mary, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I know it's good to, to serve the Lord and it's good to honour him and it's good to do all the things, but that comes out of a heart that you want to do it. Not that you feel you've got to do it, to, to earn righteousness or to earn something. But when you do things, may it be from a heart because you just want to serve him because you love him and he's so special to you and he's so wonderful to you you really want to love him and care for him and you want to serve him in that way so learning to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did says something very very wonderful and uh, may the Lord help us in our, in our walk with him to, to do that so that's my thoughts this morning I pray that the Holy Spirit will take something from all those words and it will be a blessing to you and you will feel his love coming into your hearts and you will feel the liberty and the freedom that God has given to you and remembering that there's no condemnation and it's like Romans 8 says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do weak as it was in the flesh God did sending his own son in the form of sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us we do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit so the law is fulfilled in us the law is fulfilled because we do not walk according to the flesh because we've been crucified with Christ and he is our life he is our life and I want to encourage you to just to, to lean on him and to I want to encourage you to enjoy God in your lives I'm coming to the end of my journey and I, I, I'm in my 80th year and several years, more years to go, I don't know yet, but one thing I have learned is to, to enjoy God. Enjoy Him. God is enjoyable. He's like a very happy father. God is enjoyable. Learn to enjoy Him. Learn to relax in Him. Learn to benefit from all He's done. And uh, because he, we we've got a glorious future we, can, we all of us can say the best is yet to come the best is yet to come and we, we're enjoying it here now with the Lord but the best is yet to come so may the Lord bless you and enrich you and encourage you and um, I can pray my little Ephesian prayer over you which I think I've prayed before but Paul prayed a lovely little prayer over the church at Ephesus and uh, I always love this prayer because it's, all, it's an all-embracing prayer. So I, we, we just pray that together. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened with power by his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the height, the breadth, the depth, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, so that you might be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we are able to ask or even think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus unto all generations forever and ever. Amen. And God richly bless you. Thank you.